Hi, and welcome to Harvest Bible Chapel, Kuala Lumpur Online. We hope that the following message will be a blessing to you as you seek to walk with the Lord in spirit and in truth. For more information about our church, please visit www.harvestkl.org or click the link in the description below. A very blessed morning to my brothers and sisters in Christ at Harvest Bible Chapel. Have you already had your morning coffee or tea? Uh, looking at the picture right there, there's a cup there. Hope you have yours, okay? Or actually, the benefit of having an online service is that you could have your drink uh, right next to you as you listen to the sermon. I would like to thank the elder team for the great privilege uh, to be able to share with you the Word of God. I hope you all have been keeping well and safe during this time. Despite difficulties and challenges that you might face with the increasing number of cases around Malaysia and the ongoing extensions of the MCOs, uh, let us not forget the reason that we meet together despite of all these, why we continue to do so and uh, why we continue to serve and to love people that we come into contact with, whether physically or virtually. Let us begin with a question this morning. Uh, that's what I like to do, asking people questions. So, how many of you are good with strangers? How many of you are good with strangers? Like for example, if there are newcomers in your church, you would be the first to walk up and chat with them. Or maybe you are one of those who thrive at making new friends in your workplace, university or school. But the question is, are you good only with certain people? Or are you also good with the awkward ones? What if you met this guy at a gathering? A guy with a strange, rare, hard to pronounce name. Epaphroditus. Say it with me. Epaphroditus. It's not ditus, okay? It's ditus. Epaphroditus. Now, how many of you have actually met someone with this name? Not me. What's your first impression of this name, Epaphroditus? Did you know that it's a name in the, in the scripture, in the Bible? Would you ever name your son with this name? So imagine, okay, in today's context, what it's like to carry this word as your name. The person would probably feel very awkward, uncomfortable, even embarrassed of his own name. That's our perception of this name today. But do you know the meaning of this name, Epaphroditus? The name Epaphroditus is actually drawn from the name of a Greek goddess, Aphrodite, the goddess of love. You can see the name Epaphroditus, where Aphrodite is actually contained within the word Epaphroditus. In Rome, uh, Aphrodite, the goddess, is actually named Venus. Now, what's the meaning of Epaphroditus? Epaphroditus is simply a term that means favorite of Aphrodite, the goddess. It means agreeable, handsome, and lovely. So in fact, uh, it's quite a good name, not a bad name, right? And it's a very common name in the Roman period. But what is awkward, okay, is not the meaning of the name, 
is actually what happened to the character with that name. The title for our sermon this morning is Zero to Hero, the Epaphroditus Effect. And the scripture passage is taken from Philippians chapter 2, verses 25 to 30. I will be reading the scripture as we go along in the sermon. Uh, let us start with a word of prayer. Let us pray. Father, give you thanks for this morning. We pray that, Lord, your presence will be with us, regardless of where we are joining in the service. I pray that, God, you will help us, Lord, to uh, focus on your word, to understand from you what you want to speak to us this morning, Lord. May your name be glorified in all of this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First, uh, let us have some context. As mentioned earlier, Epaphroditus means favourite of Aphrodite, a Greek goddess. Therefore, the name has a pagan origin. Pagan means worshippers of multiple gods or goddesses or idols. Thus, this tells us that Epaphroditus was most likely a Gentile, born to pagan parents. Later on, he must have become a Christian, possibly being a convert of Apostle Paul. He had apparently travelled to see Paul, who was in prison in Rome. Uh, Paul was actually under house arrest at that time in Rome. It's most likely that the Philippians had intended Epaphroditus to be a personal assistant to Paul while Paul was imprisoned, and to give Paul an offering collected by the Philippians to assist in Paul's ministry in Rome. So Paul was under house arrest. Uh, it doesn't mean that he cannot go around. He's actually able to move around, but he's chained to a Roman soldier. Okay, so he, he has a bit of freedom, and therefore he can welcome guests, and he can probably visit some people. Now, unfortunately, Epaphroditus had become physically ill after arriving in Rome. The news had gone back to Philippi, and this, in turn, caused Epaphroditus a lot of pain. He did not want the church that sent him to worry about his health, and he wanted so much to fulfill his mission to Paul there in Rome. Paul, knowing all of this and needing to write them a letter anyway, decided to use this opportunity to send Epaphroditus back to Philippi with the letter as soon as he, as he was well enough to travel. Paul knew what the Philippian church had intended for Epaphroditus. Perhaps the church had sponsored him and pledged to support his ministry to Paul in Rome. They probably gave him a sending away farewell party and contributed money to him before he left. If they did all of these for Epaphroditus, this could have been a potentially embarrassing and awkward situation. Epaphroditus had to return home without completing his term of service. He is truly a zero, one who has nothing much to show when he returns home. Imagine it's like you sending a missionary from your church with a sending away commissioning service, raised financial support for him, prayed for him that he will be able to serve for a good period of time and you hope to hear success stories from his ministry. But guess what happened next? he had to return home, back to you, without completing his task. It's something like that, that happened here between Epaphroditus and his sending church. He had to return before his mission was accomplished. It is definitely something that uh, the church did not expect, and yet it's a situation that could very well happen, not just to them, but also to us today. 
to help ease the situation of potential embarrassment and to help answer any second guessing on the part of the Philippi church uh, in even sending Epaphroditus in the first place, Paul wrote a testimony for Epaphroditus based on what Paul knew about him and what Paul had observed in him. Now talking about testimony, if someone is to write a testimony for you, what will they say? What would you like them to say? What would your, your testimony uh, mention? What you want others to truly remember about you? What's your legacy? Think about this during the sermon, okay, as we go through the text of this morning. So Philippians chapter 2, verses 25 to 26, the first two verses uh, of our reading. Uh, verse 25, what do you notice here? It says, I have thought it necessary, Paul speaking, okay, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. So what do we notice here is that in a short breath of one sentence, Paul used five terms to describe Epaphroditus. Five terms. First, Paul calls him my brother. What is the significance of that? This is the proof that Epaphroditus was a fellow believer in Christ, a Christian, a spiritual brother to Paul. Besides, the word brother also carries a familial relationship, someone that cares like an actual brother. In the testimony of your life, will others remember you as a sister or brother in Christ? Someone who cares about others. Will, someone, uh, will others know that you are a Christian, a brother and sister in Christ? Can your faith in Jesus be seen and observed by those around you? Second, Paul calls him my fellow worker a title emphasizing his diligent efforts to serve Christ in ministry with Paul. So Epaphroditus was a fellow worker with Paul. We will later in verse 30 uh, know that, learn that he nearly died for the work of Christ. So in his diligence in serving, he truly gave his all to the point of death. Nowadays, modern Christians, we talk about moderation. Maybe we think we need to serve Christ in moderation as well. We talk about avoiding burnout. But could it be that most burnouts were not really caused by giving it all in our ministry? Rather, they are caused by inappropriate or poor time management on our behalf. And we talk about security in life. Everybody wants security in life. Why take risks? Why can't Christians find security in the temporal things of the world. It doesn't mean we love the world, does it? Where is Christ in all of these? Is Jesus at the center, we must ask? Is Jesus everything? Epaphroditus gave it all, and he nearly died for the work of Christ. How would our testimony stack up to his? Third, Paul called him his fellow soldier. Paul sometimes used the word, the word picture of a soldier to emphasize a person's faithful, dedicated service to Christ. 
Additionally, soldiers also give the idea of discipline and obedience. Uh, the area Paul ministered to was mostly controlled by the Roman Empire, and therefore people can see soldiers. Soldiers are common sight, okay? they are everywhere. So this is a very useful analogy that Paul likes to use. A fellow soldier. In your testimony, would you have been described as a faithful servant of Christ? How is your discipline? Are you obedient to the commands of Jesus? Fourth, Paul calls him your messenger, likely referring to his role of bringing this letter and perhaps verbal information to the Philippian believers. Did you know, here in the original Greek, Paul actually used the word apostle. He mentioned Epaphroditus as your apostle. Of course, Epaphroditus did not formally have the position of an apostle, uh, like that of the twelve or of Paul himself. Paul uses the word apostle in a way to honour and also to recognise Epaphroditus' abilities as a preacher and co-worker of the gospel. How about us? Are we co-worker with Paul in the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ? What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news of the death of Christ on the cross, his burial, proving that he, he truly died, his resurrection three days later, and his subsequent appearance to many, proving that he is indeed alive. Think about the time you spend telling the good news versus the time you spend telling other news. You know, I have two boys, uh, age five plus and eight plus, and I love them very much. I believe they love me too, I think, okay? Uh, but I think what they really love is the story time before bedtime. During some nights, a uh, few weeks, few times a week, every, uh, every, every few days, I will tell them either funny or adventure stories before they go to bed. Maybe I'm trying to make them laugh to sleep or uh, excite them to sleep, to which my wife thinks uh, it's a bad idea. Not a good idea to put kids to sleep by telling them exciting stories. Now comparing these uh, storytelling to my kids versus the time I share with them, the gospel, I might want to pretend and tell you that everything is under order. That of course I share the good news, the gospel to my kids more than telling them stories, right? Well, in that regard, I can say that I have clearly fallen short in doing it right and I need to repent and correct my error. Of course, we all enjoy telling stories, not just to our kids, but to other people in our daily conversations as well. But hey, we definitely, I definitely don't want to be remembered just for my stories, especially if they are fictions or news that are bad, bad news. Wouldn't we want to be remembered for being messengers of the good news the good news of Jesus Christ. What else could be greater than telling the gospel of eternal salvation and the restoration of relationship to the Almighty God, to our family members and friends? So be the messenger that carries the right message, the good news. And finally, a minister of my need. This is a beautiful expression the church in Philippi had sent Epaphroditus to Paul 
to minister to his need. The question is what kind of need Paul had that needed to be addressed. Was it financial need or something else? It is clear that financial support was part of it. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 18, a later verse, uh, Paul said, that I have received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. But it appears that it's more than that. Okay? It's more things are involved, not just the financial part. In chapter 2, verse 30, jumping a bit ahead, okay, Paul actually writes to, to Epaphroditus, uh, actually writes that Epaphroditus almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up for the help you could not give me. In other words, the church in Philippi was able to help Paul financially, but there was also some help they could not give to Paul. And that help that the church could not offer was the help that Paul received from Epaphroditus. In other words, Epaphroditus did, did more than just delivering a financial gift to Paul. We know that Epaphroditus stayed with Paul for some time, and possibly he supported Paul with his presence and conversations. He talks to Paul, he accompanied Paul, and maybe he was involved in some way in Paul's ministry. As you remember, Paul called him my fellow co-worker. In the process of doing all this, Epaphroditus became ill and he almost died. The fact that Epaphroditus was a loyal companion must have been very encouraging to Paul. Will we be a similar minister to other people's needs? Or am I only going to tend to my own needs? Are we the first to help? The first to encourage? Or are we the first to discourage? the last to help others who are in need. Now returning to verse 26. For he, Epaphroditus, has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. This verse helps us to understand three things about Epaphroditus. First, he missed his friends and family in, in Philippi. Uh, we are uncertain whether he was originally from Philippi or not. However, this kind of remark in verse 26 makes it very likely that he was from uh, Philippi. He was probably a local resident of Philippi. This would certainly explain why he missed home as well as his friends and family there. Second, uh, he was concerned. He was apparently distressed by the fact that his friends knew he was sick but had not yet heard that he was now well. I think that's also our experience. Uh, we don't want the people that we love, we care, to find out that we are actually very sick. So this is what the caused uh, Epaphroditus the distress. He wants them to know that he's now well. Uh, this concern is due to the third piece of information, which is that Epaphroditus had been very, very ill. Okay, the exact sickness is not given, but we'll learn later that it was very serious and nearly fatal. Now, what does this verse teach us here? It certainly proves that those who faithfully serve Christ are not immune to troubles. Be they a brother or sister, a fellow worker, a fellow soldier, a messenger, or a minister, they are not immune to troubles and sickness. God has a plan even for such difficulties. 
though we often are not told why. While God indeed heals in some situations, He also allows sickness to prevail at other times. Why does this happen? We do not have an answer, but we know that our God is in control. What we must learn is to trust Him. In verse 27, Indeed he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Here we are given more detail about how sick Epaphroditus was. He almost died from his illness. But notice that Paul said, God had mercy on him. And this mercy came in the form of healing. Interestingly, did you know, mercy is often associated with healing in the New Testament. For example, in Matthew chapter 15, verse 22, a woman asked for mercy from Jesus for her demon-possessed daughter. In Matthew chapter 17, verse 15, mercy was asked for a son who was an epileptic. Two blind men called to Jesus for mercy in Mark chapter 10, verse 47. And in addition, mercy is also given for us to tell others how God has worked in us, how He has healed us, uh, as in Mark chapter 5, verse 19, that God gave mercy so that people can tell of the good news that God has done in what God has done in them. So we can understand that mercy is both a blessing from God and it is often connected with healing from sickness. And what's the purpose? It is so that we have an opportunity to share of our healing by the mercy of God with others. You see, in the second half of verse 27, according to Paul, the mercy of God was not only on Epaphroditus, but also on Paul himself. How did Paul receive the mercy? Because Paul was so close to Epaphroditus that he would have grieved deeply at losing this dear friend if God had not granted mercy to him and healing him. Therefore, because of God's great mercy to both of them, uh, Paul shared in the scripture here of Epaphroditus' healing, that the healing of Epaphroditus is not just mercy on him, but also the mercy of God on Paul. If you have a story of healing by the mercy of God, share it out. Don't keep it with you. Tell others about it and give glory to God. In the next verse, in verse 28, Paul gave two other reasons for sending Epaphroditus to the Philippian believers. Uh, Paul said here, I'm the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. Now, in addition to Epaphroditus' work as a letter carrier, bringing the letter back to the city of Philippi, there was an element of reunion. So the first reason was to bring joy to his readers at the church of Philippi. And when Epaphroditus arrived, uh, this, the joy will be received. They will see that he is no longer sick. He has now been restored in his health. The second reason Paul sent him was possibly because Paul thought that Epaphroditus was needed in Philippi. Whatever that is happening in Philippi is causing some anxiety for Paul. Paul said that I may be less anxious. Perhaps Epaphroditus was needed in Philippi in order to protect the church from, 
false teachers who were promoting a spirit of perfectionism and legalism. Uh, it's mentioned in chapter 3, the chapter before, uh, the chapter after the reading this morning. Uh, but there could be other reasons as well. What is clear is that Paul trusts Epaphroditus uh, and therefore he sent Epaphroditus back for ministry work. Epaphroditus has earned that trust from Paul. In verse 29, So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honour such men. It is wonderful to see how Paul does this, does his best to guard the reputation of Epaphroditus. The whole passage of chapter 2, verses 25 to 30, that we, have, uh, we are going through this morning, is meant to make sure that nobody will be able to say anything bad about Epaphroditus. For example, by suggesting that he had run away from his mission, his responsibility. They need to know that it was Paul's decision that Epaphroditus returned home early. So Paul asks the church at Philippi to welcome him in the Lord with great joy and to honour such men to honour such men like Epaphroditus. You see, in saying honour such men, Paul has extended the instruction to honour, not just for Epaphroditus, but also for people like Epaphroditus. All who serve God with humility and sacrifice should be honoured by their fellow Christian brothers and sisters. The reasons are, are given in greater detail in the next verse, verse 30. In particular, noting that he had risked his life for Christ. Verse 30 says, For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Of course, it is impossible for an entire church to leave the city in order to visit Paul uh, at a faraway place. However, a single person could. Epaphroditus was that individual. He was to be honoured for rising up to the challenge to lead and to serve in this unique way. Having heard and considered all of that, was Epaphroditus really a zero, one who has nothing to show? It is true that at first glance, people might just find remarkable how unremarkable Epaphroditus is in the pages of history. Apart from these very few references in the scripture, we have no evidence of this brother's existence. We don't know anything about his family. Does he have a, have a wife or children? How old was he? Was he uh, young or old? We know that he was a Gentile by his name. But apart from what Paul says about him, we don't know anything else. Yet, look at the difference he made in the kingdom by his service. He was faithful to the degree that Paul wrote about him. And thus, he ended up in the scripture. He made it into the Bible. Epaphroditus' plans did not turn out the way he would have intended. Remember, he was sent to care for Paul and carry the financial contribution to Paul. Instead, Epaphroditus fell ill during his service. So ill, he nearly died. Instead of caring for Paul, Paul had to care for him. And now Paul is sending the recovered Epaphroditus back to the Philippian church. You see, God's perspective on success and failure take on a different shades than the broad brushes we tend to see. Based on the mission Epaphroditus was sent on, he was a failure. He failed. 
But to Paul, Epaphroditus' mission was incredibly successful and the goal was achieved. Paul was greatly encouraged by Epaphroditus. So Epaphroditus, Epaphroditus was not a zero. He is a hero. A hero of faith that encourages even Christians of today, you and me. Let us be encouraged by Epaphroditus. May we work to have the reputation of Epaphroditus to be to others, brother or sister in faith, fellow workers, fellow soldiers, messengers and ministers. Pray about how the Lord will use you to bless someone this week, even today, with the Epaphroditus effect. Additionally, reflecting on the ministry of Epaphroditus, this helps us to appreciate the fact that God uses a variety of servants for the spreading of the gospel. Each one of us is different. We have different gifts and abilities. We don't all have to become Pauls and Peters, Pipers and Platts. In the church of our Lord Jesus, there is great appreciation for the faithful minister who serves his Lord and the Lord's people. If it is our aim to do just that, serve God, we will be honoured by God and we will experience genuine warmth and affection from others who love the Lord. And if we find any modern-day Epaphroditus among ourselves, be sure that he or she is not an obscure or unsung character in the story of the church's life. Please receive him or her in the Lord with all joy and honour this servant of God. Finally, coming back again to the last verse, verse 30, we see that Paul uses words to describe Epaphroditus' service in Christ as he almost died. He almost died. In Greek, these words are grammatically identical to the words that describe the extent to which Christ was obedient to the point of death. You can see Philippians chapter 2, verse 8 on the slide that Jesus was obedient, okay? uh, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. That's in chapter 2, verse 8. Now, God is present in the death of Christ's ministry of self-sacrifice. It says that, Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him, gave Jesus the name that is above every name, in verse 9. God is likewise present in the, in the death of ministry of Epaphroditus. But God had mercy of, on him, says verse 27. The connection between Christ's ministry as expressed in the Christ hymn, the well-known verses of chapter 2, verses 6 to 11, talking about how Christ descended as a servant, being found in human form, he humbled himself, obedient to the point of the cross, even death on the cross, and then he was exalted because of his obedience. He was given the highest name. Okay, so this, this ministry of Christ uh, is parallel to the ministry of Epaphroditus for Christ. Uh, this is a theological gem and a significant teaching of this letter to the Philippians. At the point of loss of human strength and power in our lives, the cross of Christ is present. At this very juncture, when we are absolutely powerless and at our wit's end, this is where God is present. Epaphroditus almost died, but God had mercy on him. Remember once again, God said that His strength is made perfect in our weakness. For when I'm weak, I'm strong. 
God takes zeros of various weaknesses and He makes them heroes of faith. The transaction of salvation is done upon the cross. The transformation of sanctification is done in Christ, His Son. By God's grace, live out the Epaphroditus effect by courageously and relentlessly being a disciple, a worker, a soldier, a messenger, and a minister for the sake of the gospel. May you dig deep into the Holy Scriptures to discover His perfect plan for you. May the Holy Spirit empower you to understand His perfect plan and to live boldly in it, to the glory of God forever. Amen. Let us close in prayer. Father, I give you thanks for uh, this day that you have uh, used Epaphroditus to speak to us, Lord, that we should learn from him, rise up just like how he did, Lord, and be counted, Lord, regardless of whether we think that we are significant or not. Your name is what makes us significant, Lord. Help us, Lord, to understand that when we are weak, you are strong, Lord. Your strength is made perfect in our weakness. Therefore, Lord, once again, I ask that you will help us to go deep into your word, to come to realize what you have promised us, your perfect plan for us. Perfect doesn't mean no, no problem, but perfect means we have security in you. May the Holy Spirit empower us, fill us, Lord, to understand this perfect plan and to live boldly in this plan, Lord, to glorify your name forever and evermore. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.